Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning, friends. Come on in, pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborne. And I'm Amanda Miller, and we're thrilled to have you here with us in the Sinky Real Cafe, our live and local morning show. Cameron Clutters, our barista, and it's Tuesday. So that means we're kicking off our show this morning with the Senior Director of Evangelization for the Columbus Diocese, Dr. Marlon Della Torre. And we'll continue our series on the essential aspects of evangelization. It's Catholic Schools Week, and at 8.20, Colleen Ray, a second grade teacher at St. Bridget, will join us in the cafe to tell us about her vocation. And then we'll wrap up this extravaganza with John Edwards, another guy in the pew, and one of the keynote speakers at this year's upcoming Columbus Catholic Men's Conference. Good morning, Amanda. Morning, Dave. You start us with a prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we we praise you and we thank you for another day. For your goodness, for your blessings, and for your love. Lord, we ask for an increase of faith. Lord, that uh, that we would just come to know you, believe you, trust in you, rely on you just know of your providential care in your goodness and in your promises and that you have the power to change lives and that you meet us where we're at and you, you are a good, good father. We trust this and we ask that you increase our faith. We offer our prayers through the intercession of Mary in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Top of the morning. Good morning. How you doing? <laughs> Quite well. How are you? <laughs> Great. A good night's sleep, a pleasant, restful, relaxate, relaxationing, <laughs> relaxing uh, Are you evening. sure? <laughs> are you sure you're not tired this morning? <laughs> I'm not. I'm peppy. <laughs> uh, did you get a chance to read the gospel today? I did, as a matter of fact. Um, you know, I was, I was kind of struck by it because... Actually, I was literally talking with someone last night about um, the woman who touched the cloak of Jesus. And so reading it today, I was like, oh, this is, I love it when this happens. You know, it's mm -hmm. been on your mind and then, and then you read it. And anyways, so I, what made, what came to mind as I was reading it was just kind of the juxtaposition between a couple different characters we see in the Bible who are asking our Lord for healing and today, you know, Jairus is coming to him and saying, my daughter is at the point of death. Please come lay your hands on her that she may be well. And then right after that, you have the woman with hemorrhaging who, who just thinks, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I may be well. And then it makes me also think of the, the guy who sent his servant and said, you know, Lord, mm -hmm. I'm not worthy that you should come into my house just say the word and and they'll be healed. And so there's, I don't know, I was just struck by all these different levels of faith, right? C come lay your hands, come with me, be there, lay your hands on her, she'll be well. If I just touch his garment, I'll be well. Don't You don't even have to come, Lord, just your will. Mm. Um, 
And it just made me think, okay, we're all at different places, but the Lord meets us at each and every one of those places. He's on the move. Yeah. And we saw that yesterday as well, you know, with uh, Jesus and the disciples uh, crossing the sea to come to uh, the Gerasene demoniac. Mm -hmm. Jesus knew that there was somebody in need and he traveled and went to them. And so, like you said, today we're, we're seeing Jairus approaches the Lord and asks for help. Jesus is walking later and this woman out of great faith just reaches forward to touch him in faith. And then throughout, throughout the gospels, we, we see all these different situations of either it's the Lord is present, I guess is what I'm saying. So whether he approaches us first or we approach him, it's always, he is present. Mm -hmm. And there's an awful lot of, uh, consolation and hope in knowing that he's alive and ready, ready to help us, whatever the situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Step out in faith. Right. Just reach out. Joining us. It's Tuesday. That means it's Dr. Marlon Delatore time. Dr. Marlon, good morning. Good morning, David and Amanda. How are you both? Blessed. Blessed. Wonderful. Wonderful. Great to have you with us. Good to be back. Dr. Marlon, I have so been enjoying all of our conversations, but I think <laughs> last Tuesday was just beautiful. We, we've mm -hmm. been talking about evangelization and the method of evangelization. Mm -hmm. We started with mm -hmm. the idea that it's deeply ecclesial, and and then we went into this beautiful um, analogy of the symphony, how God is really the composer and conductor, and we're all the different instruments. We all have different talents and gifts to to help create this, this beautiful symphony. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we had just gotten into kind of the method that you've, you've set up before us this idea of being selected empowered and sent by Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we kind of got into selected this idea that, that Jesus chose us to be a part of mm -hmm. this symphony. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe we can dive into empowered. Absolutely. would be happy to. I, I think there's, uh, for our listening audience, the, the, the notion of, of being strengthened, or empowered. It can take on uh, many meanings. And sometimes we tend to apply a very secular view of power where I'm being personally strengthened. I can break through a wall. Um, I can see through somebody's uh, fallacy or I can read your mind, things of that nature, where it becomes more of a, of a personal control over someone. And when you evangelize, that's not really the identity of being empowered. It has nothing to do with that at all. And we see that sometimes being somewhat mistaken. But the beauty of being powered or even more directly being strengthened is the fact that you, as an instrument of God, are surrendering yourself to receive His grace. Now, how do you do that? You, you basically are walking away for anything that would pain you to uh, take control of or that you need to have this certain identity. If not, this won't work. No, the complete opposite. Is where you, you surrender yourself, you become docile to God. I say to him, Lord, thank you, may I serve you this day. How may I be of service to you? And this is how you become empowered. This is how you become strengthened. 
because when we receive the sacrament of baptism, whether it's infancy or adulthood, you're, you're literally offering yourself up to the grace of God. You're walking into an entryway that He has given to you, and you can freely choose as an adult or on behalf of your parents as an infant, uh, choose to receive this, this gift of grace. And so when you're empowered or strengthened, you're actually exposing yourself to the awesome power of God, which can be very intimidating and very fearful. But isn't that part of the, the process? We're called to have fear of the Lord in the holy way that He can enlighten our ability to speak well of Him to others. So this becomes, Amanda, some of the, the backdrop of how we can be empowered or strengthened by Him, because we see that there's nothing else other than Him. And this is what um, is very important when you're talking with someone. They don't hear you. They hear your love for Jesus. They hear your love for Christ. They, you're able to demonstrate such an evidential beauty that there is a sense of psychicity flowing from you. And that, that is, in essence, part of being strengthened or empowered to proclaim the gospel. Uh, I'm not going to inundate you with information. Uh, uh, forbid that. But what I am going to show you is this is what I've learned. This is how I've learned it through this understanding of the ecclesial nature of the Church. And so when a person sees that, when they see both, you're talking both universally united with God through Son Jesus Christ, and then you just love that, well, then you're making it compelling to the person to listen to you more. But it's not you, it's the message you're proclaiming in His name. Uh, so it, it just becomes a beautiful way when you're empowered and strengthened that all of a sudden these gifts and graces begin to flow. Mm. Dr. Marlon Delatore, the Senior Director of Evangelization for the Columbus Diocese, is with us in the cafe. We're talking about the methods of evangelization, being empowered. Uh, my daughter Ellie plays the flute, and yeah. she'll sit with her instructor and and play part of a piece. And the instructor's there with her, listening. And, you know, this is maybe something that Ellie could be playing for the first time or mm -hmm. um, has played it for a while. But the instructor's listening, put him in the role of the conductor or the composer. He, he has an idea of how the instrument should be played. Mm -hmm. And things that may not even occur to Ellie, whether it be a... Um, the tempo isn't quite right or, you know, uh, an incorrect note. But he's there instructing and, in a way, empowering her to have a new perspective, a different perspective into how the piece should be played or how she should handle the instrument. And that's what we have through the church and through walking with the Lord directly in, in both cases, we're being formed, and we're bringing on a new perspective on how to be disciples. Absolutely, Dave. I think this is where, let me put you in this context, so when, when the Master Conductor God um, released, releases His grace to us, and when He shows us His love through His Son, Jesus Christ, so He, he provided for us a way. And so when you look at the beauty of the Master Conductor and we see the Son, taking on that role as master conductor because he is God. Uh, there's a certain path or a certain uh, note that we are to, to really embrace, and it's reassuring to have that. And there's a distinction of why the Church exists. It's to help us from deviating from that symphony. Uh, the Church exists to basically keep us 
in a right frame of mind towards God and the Son, Jesus Christ, and to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And this is the, the other element of being empowered and looking at this the beauty of being strengthened. The Holy Spirit, the breath of God, the, the raw, the, the, the guidepost, is the one that basically will fine-tune our ability to see Him, to proclaim Him, to evangelize. This is the beauty of what we see um, in our Lord. And if, if our audience wants, a, I guess, a biblical reference to this, <clears throat> we can turn into the whole premise of, of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 3. <clears throat> Excuse me, look into, into the whole premise of how our Lord spoke, how Peter reflects the speech, how we look into the death and resurrection of our Lord, uh, how we are called to be reformed to God. And this is all from, I think, verse 12 through 26, I believe. So you yep. have this progression of faith. And the, 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 the intent is that we recognize Jesus as Messiah and that we're heirs, like we're part of this relationship. We're part of the symphony of grace. And if we understand that well, then we become more fine-tuned to what the Church prescribes. And this is a beauty for us. I'll put it to you even this way. A great testimony from someone, the best testimonies I've heard of someone giving their personal witness of how they came to find our Lord, are the ones who completely, intimately understand the Church, its ecclesial nature, their role as a child of God, and how that has to emanate through their testimony. The greatest testimonies I've ever seen are those who are so infatuated in love that they will not go outside the bounds of what Christ is and who he is, because then it becomes richer and fuller. And so as a master conductor, he makes sure that we're always in tune, and even a testimony uh, relies on that. Dr. Marlon Delatore here with us in the cafe. Amanda? Dr. Marlon, uh, I, I want to kind of circle back to... Uh, when you had first talked about being strengthened or empowered, yeah. you mm-hmm. used the word surrendering. And so yeah. this, this idea of falling so much in love with Jesus and, and mm-hmm. um, allowing sanctity to flow through us and being that example. Um, I'm looking at some of the scriptural passages that you've provided here under Empowered mm-hmm. from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And I've yeah. noticed all of them say, you know, he called and told them to take nothing. He sent them yeah. and told them to take nothing. Go and preach and take nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm looking at all these passages like, <laughs> yeah, okay, he, he is empowering us. And mm-hmm. yet that empowerment means to surrender. Mm. With so, humility. I mean, humility is essential here, isn't it? Correct. It's, 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 a, it's a practical notion of, all right, God, you're, you're calling me, but here, I've got something to offer you. You say, no, you don't. <laughs> right. Uh, and or say, well, but Lord, but I've got this great lesson plan here, or you know, I've got this great thought, and he's kind of looking at you and say, no, you don't. You're, you're going to listen to me first. You, 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 you remove everything you think you know, but you're going to focus on me. And we want to be reassured on a human level that we know what we're doing, and that's part of the process uh, that that tends to, uh, I guess, seep into this whole fray of evangelization. For people who used to catch phrases of, of accompaniment, accommodation, uh, intentional discipleship, all this stuff that happens across the board now. Um, but the reality is, he just wants you. Remove everything else, because even when I would dare proclaim, the, you know what, Lord, I've got this great charisma package that I can just share with you. That I just, I think, I think we can work in tandem. Uh, no, 
No, I, I, I'm, I'm there to surrender to him first, and he will show me what I can do, what I should do in his name. So, um, I mean, those passages are there for a reason, because we have to, first and foremost, completely uh, detoxify ourselves from any notion that we have it, mm-hmm. and, and that we have to go to him first, and then he will nourish and strengthen us. It's amazing how refreshing that can be when you completely immerse yourself in his mercy, and then all of a sudden, graces flow from it. So uh, it's, it's one of the things that our Lord asks of us, that, look, if you're going to see me remove everything else, mm-hmm. then you can see me. And I think it's also switching that mindset from servant to child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, of course. Yeah. Do you, any, any suggestions on, you know, in order to be empowered, this idea of surrender, just how mm-hmm. to do that well, how to maybe, or, or even just get started if that's something we're struggling with. Absolutely. There's, there's a couple of things you can do with that notion for anybody who, who really desires to, to speak of, of God in, 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 a, in a charismatic way, in an evangelistic way. Uh, first and foremost, remember that uh, be mindful of how God speaks. And so what I mean by that is this, when you dive into sacred scripture, whether you look at the prophet Isaiah or the prophet Jeremiah or Jeremiah's conversation with God or, or Job's conversation, right, God always speaks in a tone where he is both nurturing and nourishing his children. And he's just literally describing to them who I am. We look at the infamous passage of Exodus, we'll begin at the beginning of Exodus, where, where God reveals himself to Moses. Uh, and he reveals himself first through the sense of the body. There's a burning bush that's not being consumed by fire, and he tells him who he is. And so it's important for us, in terms of our surrender, to first realize that there is a literal existence of God in daily life. He does exist. He exists all over the world. He exists in our life, in our daily thought, because he is omnipotent. He is all-knowing. And so the first step is to look at your world and say, you know what, this is a gift from God. First and foremost, uh, to, to surrender is to recognize the awesome power of God, that He is eternally a gift to you and I. And, and that's the first step. And when you take any passage from Scripture, especially the ones I've just cited to you, it reinforces that all of a sudden Isaiah defers to God, Jeremiah defers to God, all right? Uh, we see Samuel, all right, uh, being, being the message, defers to God. So these are recognitions. Deference means you recognize that God is a gift. And, and that's your first step. The moment you do that, then the next step becomes a little bit easier where you're not afraid to come to Him. You, you leave all your inhibitions behind, and you walk to Him, because this is what we call the whole accommodation. God will accommodate Himself to you always. He's not impeded. We impede. And so the moment you recognize that He's a gift, the next step is to seek Him and walk towards Him, where you have a, enough of a, of a trust in Him to say, Lord, what is it that you have to say to me, and how may I serve you? So those would be the first two steps, Amanda, that I would really focus on for anybody listening, uh, because then the testimony becomes about our Lord's love, not your own. And then if it becomes your own, it's because it's rooted out of love in God. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Doctor. Wow, these You're have welcome. been rich. Um, I encourage our friends uh, to go back into our archives, too, and uh, listen to these segments uh, every Tuesday. 
Dr. Marlon Delatore is with us here in the cafe, and we're talking now about the essential aspects of evangelization. We've talked about being selected, empowered. Next week, do you want to pick up Scent? Absolutely. I think that's, that's a very important aspect of this about, I would say, 12 elements of how to be sent and how to be receptive to being sent. Uh, because it's not just going out uh, frivolously or aimlessly. There is, there is literally an identity required to being sent because you're, you're affirming your identity as a child of God. You're recognizing God's presence. You're saying yes to Him. You're seeing that everything evolves around this, this divine understanding and that even though we are human and we are limited to understand the full capacity of God's power, it doesn't mean we can't. It doesn't mean that we're not able to learn more, and that's the key. That's why I always stress to people, if you're going to be immersed in the charisma, the charisma being the process of understanding the gospel, the gospel being the Word of God, then you're going to have to immerse yourself in how to uh, literally explain it. And that comes through the creed. And so being sent requires all those facets in so many ways, because then the person not only sees your Word, but they want to learn it and they want to live it. And that's all part of being sent, is that you're prepared not just to proclaim Him, live it out, but also teach someone how to actively engage this for the rest of their life. So it's going to be fun talking about that next week. Look forward to it. Thanks, Dr. Dr. Marlon. Dr. Marlon Delatore is Senior Director of Evangelization for the Diocese. We'll see you next Tuesday. Appreciate it. God bless you both. Have a great week. God bless you. It's Catholic Schools Week, and coming up next here in the cafe, we'll be joined by Colleen Ray, second grade teacher at St. Bridget of Kildare. Stay with us. My Jesus, before you ascended into heaven, you prayed that we would all be one as you and your Father are one. But today, Lord, we seem more divided than ever. We are divided over political beliefs, gender, religion, ethnicity, color, and economic status. It is a division that cuts deeply, even through our closest relationships. You have warned us, Lord, that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Help me to remember that you are the cornerstone of this house, that your precepts, not ours, are the path to everlasting joy. Empower me with your grace to be an agent of healing and a proclaimer of truth and hope to this troubled world, one heart at a time. Armed with your sacred word, the sacraments, and the wisdom of the saints, you have given me everything I need to make a difference. You have created me for such a time as this, Lord, and I am ready to do your will. Amen. Do you have a minute for lasting happiness? Living virtuously is the way to freedom, happiness, and holiness. To grow in virtue, we must learn about it, practice it, and persevere in it. This is what the saints have achieved with excellence. An excellent example of the virtue of humility is seen in St. Bernadette Subaru. She lived humility heroically by never seeking fame or recognition, despite having received visions of Our Lady at Lourdes. She knew being chosen to see Mary was a gift given to her, one she did not deserve. To avoid drawing attention to herself and away from God, she chose to enter the convent to pursue a life of hiddenness and humility. 
Let us ask St. Bernadette Subaru to pray for us, that we too may grow in humility. Educate yourself in virtue. Learn more at educationinvirtue.com. I'm Lori Crock, and this is a Holy and Healthy Minute. From Psalm 139, verse 14, I praise you because I am wonderfully made. The human body is an amazing gift from God, as is the life He has breathed into us. But in our culture, it can be easy to dwell on the aesthetics of our physical bodies, how we look, instead of being grateful that we can move, think, work, play, pray, serve, and love. Holy Spirit, help us to practice good stewardship of our 640 muscles, 600,000 miles of blood vessels, 300 million capillaries, 270 bones, and our incredibly complex brain. The magnificence of the physical body that you created is beyond our comprehension. Let us pray. We praise you, God, and we thank you for our physical bodies that allow us to serve you and to serve our neighbor. Amen. Welcome back, friends, to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Amanda Miller. I'm Dave Orsborn, and helping us to celebrate Catholic School Week is Colleen Ray, second grade teacher at St. Bridget of Kildare School. Good morning, Colleen. Good morning. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Are you all ready at school? Yes, we are. I had I had to step away. The kids are in great hands, but they're very excited that I get to be on the radio. So uh, we're already here learning. <laughs> well, you know, we put these shows up on our website, so make sure they listen. Oh, good. Okay. And then I, I told them I would say hello to my second grade students and that they're very loved by me and by God. So I had to make sure to get their, my message into them. Fantastic. Good morning, kids. <laughs> <laughs> So, Colleen, how long have you been a teacher? Um, this is my fourth year of teaching, but it's my first year of teaching in the Diocese of Columbus and at St. Bridget. Oh, okay. Where were you uh, previous to Columbus? I actually lived in St. Louis for two years and taught um, second grade at a Catholic school out there, too. So, mm-hmm. this is right back to my roots with second grade. Aww. What What is it about second graders that you love? What's not to oh, love? Gosh. Right. So many things that I love about them. Um, they wonder so much about the world, mm-hmm. and in turn, that leads to lots of great conversations about our faith and questions that we have. And I just feel like it really inspires me to live my life with this childlike wonder and seeing the goodness of God all around me. And in a Catholic school, it's really special because it's a sacrament year. So we've already celebrated reconciliation this year. And then we'll be starting to get ready for First Communion here in the next couple of months. <laughs> That's what a year. Right? I love I it. Them, this might be the only year in their whole life that they receive two sacraments in one year. So it's definitely one for the books. Mm-hmm. How are the kids feeling? Are they getting excited, a little nervous? Yes, they are. They are getting, they're very excited. I think for First Reconciliation, they, the main thing that we were working on was they knew for First Communion they got to wear the white dress, especially the girls, but <laughs> we couldn't quite figure out what our outfit was supposed to be for reconciliation. It's not as clearly spelled out. Right. Um, but it was really Sackcloth. You go with the sackcloth, <laughs> right? Right. It was really <laughs> special for them to learn about God's grace and how even when 
we sin, we can move closer to God through reconciliation. And it was really sweet after I got to see them all after the sacrament. And I asked one little boy in my class how he felt. And he said, clean. And I just thought that was the most beautiful thing that he he really could feel that grace and that um, in his heart. So Mm -hmm. they're getting really excited for First Communion. So please pray for us and all the second graders throughout the diocese because it's an exciting time. Colleen Ray, second grade teacher at St. Bridget of Kildare School, and we're celebrating Catholic Schools Week. Now, Colleen, did you go through Catholic schools yourself? Yes, I did. I um, started in Catholic schools when I was a first grader, and we actually wore the same uniform that they wear at St. Bridget, which is really fun. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then all the way through Catholic high school, I'm from Cincinnati, so I went to an all-girls Catholic school there, Ursuline Academy, and then right to Catholic College at Xavier University. And then I actually even got my master's at St. Louis University. So this is truly what I know about education, is that it's rooted in Catholic faith. (laughs) So it sounds like there was probably never any doubt that you would end up teaching in a Catholic school. Yes, it was interesting when I was learning about education. Most of it is taught just about the pedagogy and how to be a teacher, but I never really knew teaching without Jesus so intertwined. And I did actually do my student teaching my practicum in um, a public school, and it was a great experience. But I always will remember on the first day of student teaching, a student sneezed. And I remember pausing before I said, God bless you, because I just wasn't sure what to do. And so I always like to go back to that. I love being at a school where when someone sneezes and we say, God bless you, they know who that is and what that means to someone else. So what is it that you've learned from second graders? Mm -hmm. I think the main thing that I've learned from my students is to see the ordinary miracles around us every day and to celebrate the little things in life. They come in every day excited to learn. They're excited when I tell them that we can use markers to color. <laughs> they Nothing is better than sometimes set outside for recess. Um, and all of these little things are the ways that they celebrate and live out their faith. So I know for me it really inspires me to celebrate those little things, to find the good in each and every day, and to see that in one another. They are endlessly graceful with each other um, in the classroom. They are so kind in sharing, and if someone loses a pencil or drops their book, there are four kids rushing over to help them clean up. (laughs) And I always just think that would be a great model for me to live in my own life, and it really inspires me to be, be the helping hands right? <laughs> mm, that's wonderful. Do I, have, you, have you scoped out any of the first graders yet coming up? Yes, I have. I, they are going to be a great group. I'm lucky at St. Bridget. Um, we have recess and lunch duty with both grades. So I've gotten to see um, some of the first graders and get to know them, which is great to already start forming those relationships. But I'm really going to miss these second graders. It's I think that's the bittersweet part about teaching is that you get so connected and 
you just see so much good in your class that it will be hard to let them go. But their third grade teachers are very lucky. They're getting a great, great group. <laughs> I love it when I hear two of my daughters have uh, been aides in, in schools. And mm-hmm. I, I just love to hear their stories of when uh, their former students come back. Uh, to yes. see them and they, just the hugs, you know, they, they run to them and they, you know, we've missed you. And, you know, and then they bring them up to, up to date on, on their lives now. And yes. I actually so had the pleasure of teaching a first communion class and oh. it's, yeah, it's just, it's around that age where all they know is love. <laughs> and, right. and like you said, the wonder that they have, and it's, it's just so rejuvenating to see and to be a part of, and um, it's beautiful. And it makes me think, especially during a sacramental year, uh, the opportunity to get to bring children deeper into the faith. I'm sure, Colleen, you've had some moments where you, you've gotten to see their aha moments where it's like, wow, I'm like, I get this, or, or you're telling me that this happens at uh, you know, the moment of consecration or yes. <laughs> just like any, any fun stories that you could share with us of those, those young aha moments. Yes, there are so many, like you said, and I'm, I feel lucky to see those lots of days. One that I can think of specifically, we go to mass on Thursdays here at, at St. Bridget in our beautiful church. And it's always so wonderful to be able to see whoever I'm going to sit next to, because I really feel like I get some insight into their wonder and you're exactly right those aha that they just can't believe that that's really going on and um one a few weeks ago i had the chance to be a eucharistic minister at mass so that means that i leave my class in good hands of my wonderful aid and go up and distribute communion and when i came back to sit down the little girl that was sitting next to me said that is so that is so cool, Miss Ray, that you get to give Jesus to someone else. Oh. And I thought that was just so amazing that she was able to realize that and recognize how special that was. And it's, I was gave her a little high five and just said that <laughs> it was so beautiful and amazing um, that she was able to recognize that. And I'm sure we'll get we'll have lots more of those as we move into studying First Communion more deeply. Um, I'm really excited about that. Mm-hmm. We're celebrating Catholic Schools Week with Colleen Ray, second grade teacher at St. Bridget of Kildare School. Colleen, how can our friends here in the cafe be praying for you and your students? Oh, well, thank you so much for um, asking. I think pray for my students to see the goodness in themselves as much as they see it in others. I think. um, The kids in our schools, they are so great at giving grace to the people around them. And I really hope that as we prepare for First Communion, that the students in my class and in all the second grade classes and everyone at St. Bridget, that the kids will realize that they were made in God's image and how loved they are. And I feel like if they can really feel that, it will pour out in so many ways into our community. And that's the other great thing about being a Catholic school teacher is where we realize all of the great gifts that God has given us, and we can use those gifts to um, support the community around us. Um, Tomorrow's our 100th day of school, and we are going to be making 
we're hoping that every student at St. Bridget will make two snack bags to give um, to Feed the Kids Columbus. Mm. So those will go to kids that might not have a reliable source of food when they get home from school. And we're hoping to give those snack bags to them tomorrow. And I think if every student makes one at St. Bridget, we'll make over a thousand. So please continue to pray that we are able to better the community around us um, by praying and rooting ourselves in our faith. Love it. Love it. Colleen Ray, second grade teacher at St. Bridget of Kildare School. We're celebrating Catholic Schools Week. Colleen, when you get back to class, can you give them high fives from Dave and Amanda? Yes, I will. I will. They will. A lot of them thought, actually, when I said I was going to be on the radio, they thought I was going to be on the announcement. Oh. So that, that's a big deal, too. So <laughs> they, I will definitely give them some high fives, and hopefully we'll be able to listen later in the day. Fantastic. Colleen, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. We will be praying for you all, too. Thank you. you. Colleen Ray, second grade teacher at St. Bridget of Kildare School. It's Catholic Schools Week. Don't forget to pray for Colleen and all of her students today. We're going to be up next with John Edwards, a speaker at this year's Columbus Catholic Men's Conference coming up on Saturday, February 24th. Stay with us. O good Jesus, you are the Most High God, everlasting and always living. You have shown us the way to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit to guide us. We implore thy most sacred heart to have mercy on us in this time of need. Bless and protect the vulnerable. Give hope to all and fill our hearts with confidence in your divine mercy. Be our joy in the midst of suffering and our stability in the midst of uncertainty. Your forgiveness we seek, your love we need your protection we implore. Forgive our sins and heal our wounds. Strengthen any weakness of faith and make us strong so as to give witness to your glory. Keep far from us any illness, pestilence, or harm. You are our refuge. You are our comfort. You are our hope. Through the intercession of Our Lady, health of the sick, we come to your most sacred heart and beseech your protection and blessing. Most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Amen. It started like it does for many people, question my faith and question authority. And I feel that the reason why I left was the the draw of the world. The world was pulling me away. Some people would say, you know, Satan would, you know, Satan was working on me. He did not want me in church. He wanted me to be desperate. He wanted me to have the thoughts of suicide. I started to realize that a lot of the things that I experienced in my life were a result of my rebellion against God and against authority. Coming back to the church is the first step in healing from all of the hurts of the world. I went from being desperate and in despair to finding hope and encouragement for for the future. I'm on God's team. I, I know who I belong to and I know where I'm going, and there's nothing that can separate me from God's love. Take another look at the Catholic Church. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Some Protestants use 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3 against the Catholic practice of consecrated celibacy and Lenten observances because Paul calls the forbidding of marriage and the consumption of meat doctrines of demons. 
Do Catholics need to be exercised? No, and here are some reasons why. First, Paul can't be condemning consecrated celibacy because in the next chapter he gives Timothy instructions on proper implementation of consecrated celibacy with regard to enrolled widows. Also, Paul can't be condemning all forms of abstinence from meats since he was part of the decision at the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15 that decreed Gentile Christians abstain from meats offered to idols. What Paul was condemning is the Gnostic belief that nobody should marry and that one should always abstain from meats because matter is evil. So fear not, Catholics, you have no need for an exorcism. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Welcome back, friends, to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Amanda Miller. I'm Dave Orsborn, and joining us now, just a guy in the pew, John Edwards, one of the speakers at this year's Columbus Catholic Men's Conference. That will be held on Saturday, February 24th. Joining John will be Chris Stefanik and Father Burke Masters. John Edwards, good morning. Good morning, David Amanda. It's good to be with you. Yeah, we're looking forward to having you here in Columbus. Yeah, I am too. I've been really enjoying uh, the time with Matt and Mike and all the guys around the conference. And I know they've got an amazing day planned, and I'm just really blessed to be a part of it. Yeah. Have you uh, visited Columbus before? I have not. This will be my first time. I've been to Steubenville. I've been to other places in Ohio, but I have not yet been to Columbus. So I'm looking forward to that, too. You'll want to move here when you're done with that day. Okay. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> now, you're, are you in Tennessee? I am. I'm in Memphis. In Memphis, Tennessee. So tell us a little bit about, uh, about yourself and how you came to be involved in men's ministry. Sure. Yeah. So I was born and raised here in Memphis. I uh, lived my whole life. I'm 45 now, so I've been here a long time and was born and raised Baptist. My family was from Mississippi and they moved up here for work and they were Baptist. So that's what we became here. Uh, and I was Baptist till about 18. Uh, long story short, a lot of people in my life, my friends group, my youth group moved away to go to college. I was left without community and I wound up uh, enrolling at the University of Memphis, was really lonely, joined a fraternity, and I started making some bad decisions in my life, uh, a lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol, a lot of other things like that, and walked away from my faith and wound up uh, in an addiction for about 17 years to cocaine. Uh, that was through my marriage. That was through the birth of my children. That was uh, through a job as a Fortune 250 salesman of the year. So from the outside looking in, I was a guy that had everything, the beautiful wife, the kids, the house, the car, the money, the job, all that kind of stuff. But I was a broken mess inside. And, you know, basically to, to, to not tell everything, because we'll be sharing this at the conference, but I wound up uh, in Holy, Holy Week on Holy Thursday, I was arrested for the possession of cocaine. And my wife uh, stayed with me as I was in jail, uh, gave me a chance to be better. I had a priest take me under his wing. I uh, took the Catholic faith seriously for the first time in my life. I became Catholic when I married my wife, that was part of the deal. And uh, after that, I wound up starting a men's group in my parish. I just walked in a room full of guys and started sharing all the mistakes I've made in my life. It turned out they had a bunch too. And uh, together we started to see that we could become more than that and we could become the men that God had created us to be. So we launched that group. I had a deacon here in Memphis that was on a EWT and radio. It had been for a number of years. So he asked me to start a podcast called Just Get on the Pew. The name came from 
actually when I started going to daily mass and I had uh, a bunch of older people that were in mass would come up and ask me if I was in the seminary or in the diaconate, and I'd say, no, I'm just a guy in the pew. So that's where the, <laughs> so that's where the name came from, and that's how we are here today. So we travel the country, and, and we launched men's groups in parishes and helped them with a format and a leadership model and so other men can find what we found, which is that healing and then an opportunity to be the man that all of us desire to be inside. Mm. John Edwards, one of the speakers at this year's Columbus Catholic Men's Conference, the theme this year, the Eucharist, Go Deeper, will be held Saturday, February 24th at Kesa Hall at the Ohio Expo Center in Columbus. So when you stepped into that men's ministry, you found other guys also that— uh, that had some problems. So you weren't able to join that men's group, that perfect men's group. Yeah, no, you're hundred percent right. And that's the thing that I think we struggle with as men the most is, you know, we've been told by, uh, by just the culture and a lot of times our own fathers and other men in our life that we're supposed to, what it means to be a man is to put your head down, to work hard, to never complain, to not have feelings, to not have emotions. Uh, if you do, don't let anybody know because you're not a man and, if you do, you're weak. And so men look at things like vulnerability as a weakness. But mm. God, you know, God says to St. Paul, if you recall in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, St. Paul is asking him to remove the thorn from his side three times, the spiritual thorn, the, you know, the figure of uh, thorn. And God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And St. Paul begins to realize, man, if I'm to boast, let me boast of my weaknesses, my hardships, my difficulties, and my insults, because when I'm weak, I'm strong. And what we really found in that group was we've been trying to white-knuckle the steering wheel of our life for a long time, and it's gotten us nowhere. It's gotten us into a lot of issues in marriages. It's gotten us into, you know, addictions and all these things. You look at the, the culture and, you know, the rates of opioid abuse, suicide, loneliness, isolation, alcoholism. Uh, pornography, drug abuse is higher than it's ever been. And I really believe it's because a lot of men think they've got to go through life alone. And so we shove all these things down and we tell everybody we're fine. But in actuality, we're not. We're all broken and we all know we're broken, but yet we continue to act like we're not. But what if we took that energy and instead of trying to put on all these masks and put this false front up, we actually admitted the places we needed help and the places we needed to grow and did it alongside other men the way that Jesus asked us and taught us to. And then we could go out and be the husbands and fathers and brothers and sons that we all wanted to be. John, that's so fitting because just earlier in our show this morning, we were talking about the necessity to surrender, to be empowered. And it sounds like Mm -hmm. you're just reiterating that. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Is is men, we just feel like, you know, everything that for so long in society, men have been measured by, like, what can you do? What can you produce? How can you perform? And when men are away from their faith, you know, they a lot of guys will get head down in work and become workaholics. And we miss our family because all we're doing is at work trying to achieve. There's, there's an inadequacy wound in all men. Right? I mean, it happened in the garden. You will till the soil, you know, by your brow, and, and it's never good enough. So men are always thinking, if I can just get that promotion, if I can just do this, if I could just, then I'll be worth something. But what so many men don't understand and what we're trying to help them come to find out is it took me a very long time to find out is I'm not the sum of my mistakes. I'm not the sum of my sins. I'm the sum of God's love for me. And that's what so many men need to hear 
and, and they can break that that hold that the the devil has. It's always whispering in their ears, "You're not enough. You never will be. You can't. You won't." They can start listening to the to the true voice in their life, God's voice, who created them for a purpose. They exist now for a reason, and He's waiting for them to see that so that He can feel they can feel their His love. And then they can start to live in the purpose that he made them for and find the joy that we're all looking for. John Edwards, just a guy in the pew, just a guy in the pew.com. John, how, how have you balanced or approached uh, men's ministry yourself um, and not to fall into that trap of just treating your ministry work as you would your secular career? So, be productive, be active, you know, perform, perform, perform. Has that been a challenge for you at all in ministry? <laughs> yeah, it's glad. Yeah, that's a great question. I have to fight that still because the devil never goes away, right? It even says when he tempted Jesus in the desert at the very end of it, it says he left him for a time. The devil's always going to be coming into our life and doing whatever he can to lay snares or to try to trip us up or to get us to believe that we're not made for this or we can't do this or we're not doing it right. And so, yeah, like anybody else that comes up, and maybe if I tweaked this, or maybe if I did this, or maybe if I just took a couple hours away from my family in the evening and I could work a little bit harder, then we would be a little bit further or something like that. But at the end of the day, it's all nonsense. All this stuff is up <laughs> to God, yeah. right? All of, all of this is up to God. And all you could do every day is wake up, as I try to do every morning, let my knees hit the floor and say, Lord, I give you my life again today. What do you want from me? How can I help you? What do you need from me? Give me good directions and help me to follow them, right? And so what I've tried to do is look at this as like, this isn't my job. This is the blessing of a work I get to do for him. And he's the biggest cheerleader that you'll ever have for it. And so you, you tune into him, you listen, you try to do your best. At the end of the day, hey, maybe this didn't get done or that didn't get done, but that's okay. There's tomorrow. And, and what we did get done was in line with his will and allowed us to do the work that he wanted to do today. And you become okay with that. You let yourself off the hook of those things. And you really just say, am I upset about my plans? Or, or am I upset about I didn't do something that he needed me to do? And more often than not, it's about our own plans. And if we didn't get to do them, they probably weren't in line with what God wanted us to do anyway that day. It's conference season here in Columbus. The women kick it off with the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference on Saturday, February 17th. The men, the following weekend, Saturday, February 24th, we're speaking with John Edwards. He'll be joined by Chris Stefanik and Father Burke Masters at this year's Columbus Catholic Men's Conference. One of my uh, biggest struggles, uh, John, in being in ministry is Mike carrying over that uh, desire to be efficient from, you know, from my secular jobs, you know, always looking for efficiency mm -hmm. and ministry rarely is efficient yeah <laughs> and you just uh, look at at uh, at christ in the gospels you know where he and the disciples are are headed in one direction and then jesus says hmm let, let's uh let's get off here and go in this direction mm -hmm. and these disciples have got to be, well, that wasn't the plan this morning. We were going to go this direction. Now now it's night and we're hopping in a boat and we're crossing the sea to minister to a demoniac. You know, what, what's up yeah. with that, Lord? <laughs> so. 
Yeah, no, you're 100 percent right. Or, or should we call down Thunder Lord? It's like, no, no, you should not. That's not what we're doing here, right? Like, there's, there's things like that. Yeah, that Thunder would be so much quicker, yeah. Lord. I mean, like, we, we you know yeah. we can uh, take care of this <laughs> right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that you're exactly right. I mean, it, again, it's 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 always starting with Lord. What are you What are you asking me to do? And trying our best to discern it. You know, it, I'll give you an example in the beginning. You know, I, I didn't ever want to be in ministry. I didn't just, like, say, okay, now I'm going to go be a speaker or anything. In fact, the first time I ever shared my story was here in Memphis at our local men's conference in front of about a 1,000 people, and my knees were knocking. You probably could have heard them all the way to Columbus. And, like, I just – I didn't – I wasn't comfortable. I, I couldn't wait to get off at the altar. And, but I knew at the end of that, like, there was something in my heart that said, this is what I'm supposed to do, even though it's not comfortable. And, and I don't – like, I just – do not want to be up in front of people again like that. But the Lord started asking me to do it. And even in that, like I would go to conferences, I would go places and I would, I would speak and tell our story and whatever else, you know, we were talking about. And, and I would leave always wondering like, well, what's going to happen to these guys now? We just shot them up at Jesus roller coaster on Saturday and they're going to go back to the world and their problems and all these things on Monday. And what's going to happen to them. And so as I was struggling to, to figure out, okay, how do I, do what the Lord wants, and, and can I support my family this way? And all the questions when you leave a, you know, a, a high-paying job for a, a not high-paying job in ministry, <laughs> you yep. start to, you start to go, okay, well, what about all of this? And that's how we really developed the men's ministry. It's I had an interior struggle with all of this, and then eventually I was like, you know what, I'm not Dr. Han. I'm not going to be able to write a book on Revelations in like two weeks or whatever, you know. And I'm not, so you know, I'm not this guy, and I'm not that person. Where is my heart? What has the Lord called me to do? And I focused on it's really what I'm, I'm good at is helping men understand they can be different and, and then leading a men's group. So that's when all of a sudden when I started asking those questions, he's like, John, I want you to develop what you're already doing well in your own parish. And so we started working on those things. And next thing you know, we got so busy that we can't keep up with it all with going around the country and starting men's groups. We had a formula. We had a, uh, you know, a structure and a leadership model. It wasn't based on, you know, buy this DVD set or, or whatever else it was. It wasn't programmatic. It was like, look, we've got enough content. What we really need is, is to help men. There's a lot of men who desire something like what we've started here on our own peers, but they simply don't know how. And when, we, when I figured that out, all of a sudden that was in line with God's will. And then all these doors started opening up. All these things started happening. I didn't worry about, am I going to be able to support my family or anything anymore? Because at the end of the day, I had started to see what God was asking of me, started to live in that, and then everything else fell into place. John Edwards, just a guy in the pew, coming to this year's Columbus Catholic Men's Conference, Saturday, February 24th. We have about five minutes left, John. Uh, the the four pillars of men's ministry uh, mm-hmm. defines or helps define your ministry Worship, fellowship, service, and formation. Worship comes first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so actually the way we run them in our parish, it's formation, worship, service, and fellowship. Mm-hmm. So we start with formation. Okay. But, um, but yeah, no, no no worries there. It's, uh, yeah, we started realizing after a while that we couldn't just show up and basically use that, that hour as a city dump. Like, you know, basically show up and talk about how horrible we were and then go on about our business. We had to be disciples. We had to grow in our faith. And so I actually went to Jesus in adoration after 
you know, we've been meeting for a number of years, four times a month, every Wednesday night from 7 to 830. And I said, Lord, what are four things you did with your apostles? Mm-hmm. And when I left out of there, I had John, I formed them, I worshiped with them, I served with them, and I fellowshiped with them. And I went, wow, this is very different. Like, this is, this speaks to the wholeness of a man. Very often in any sort of ministry, we do the same thing. My wife was running a women's group in the church, and they were basically showing up and doing a Bible study every week, and she was losing people. And people were not telling her why they weren't coming, and eventually they just said, well, hey, like, we want to do other things besides that. And that's the same thing I found out with men. So we started doing these four different nights, and now you've got your spiritual side with the worship and the formation, but then you, you get to go out and serve other people. Like, we'll go make sandwiches for the homeless, or we'll, we'll go to Catholic Charities and box up food. We've gone to Dorothy Day houses and cleaned up the yard and painted rooms and all that stuff. It's endless. And then fellowship, we'll go throw axes. We'll go to the gun range. We'll go have beer and pizza, bourbon and cigars. We'll, you know, have a cornhole tournament, whatever it is. But it's just a way for for men to come together and do all kinds of different things. And that's, it's really what I think people love about the chosen. They see all these different sides of, yes. these, yeah. uh, of these apostles. And that's why people are so into the show is they're getting to see the wholeness of these people. And so that's what we're trying to do in the group. And I'll tell you what, like there are guys that will never walk into a worship night or a formation night because of their shame. I'm not the right guy. I still struggle with porn. I don't know my faith. You know, these guys are going to see right through me. But they'll walk into a night where they can just throw an axe, and they'll see, like, oh, man, this this isn't a bunch of Bible-beating weirdo Jesus freaks, right? This is guys <laughs> like you and me. And and they have problems, and they have struggles, and, man, what do you do next? And what do you do next? And what do you do next? And then all of a sudden, they find themselves in that formation room, and their life is changing, that formation night, and they're part of the group that continues to grow. And so... That's what we're trying to do. I'm a huge bass fisherman. When I go, I take six poles, and every one of them has got a different lure on it. And I fish with one until I start catching something. And that's the same thing with these pillars. It allows men to come into a place that most likely would not have come into it if in the bulletin it just said, hey, come to our Bible study. Right? So that's, yeah. that's the idea behind yeah. it and trying to follow in the footsteps of the Lord and what he did. Wow. Can't wait to have you here in Columbus. You started in Mississippi. Now you're in Memphis. Hmm. I see a northern uh, progression here, John. <laughs> Y'all so. got to handle some of that snow and cold weather before we can talk about that. <laughs> Maybe split the year. We'll, we'll ease you into it. So yeah. <laughs> look forward to having you here. Look forward to meeting you in person. So Yeah, me too. Thanks for spending time with us, John. Yeah, thanks for having me on. God bless y'all. God bless you, brother. John Edwards, speaker at this year's Columbus Catholic Men's Conference coming up Saturday, February 24th. Tomorrow in the cafe, we'll welcome Annie Steffes as we continue to celebrate Columbus Schools Week. And we'll also be joined by the Dominican Friars from St. Patrick's. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. God bless you all. See you tomorrow.